Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com and the Information Security Media Group. I'm speaking with Alex Cox. He's a security consultant in the research area at NetWitness. Thanks, Alex, for joining us. Thank you. What is the Never botnet and how does it work? So Never is actually not a unique botnet. It's a botnet that we kind of identified as a, a member of the Zeus Trojan family. We called it Never based on some of the information that we developed as we were researching the, the, the compromise, um, and that was because of uh, the use of an email address, hillarynever at yahoo.com, that was used to register some of the domains that were involved in the compromise. So how does it work? Zeus kind of be considered a keylogger, and it's uh, it's more along the, the lines of a form logger, but it really has a lot of different capabilities. Um, typically, the way Zeus is used, it's used to inject form elements into logon pages so that miscreants can collect credential information and banking information, that sort of thing. That's then sent to a central command and control server where it's pushed into a database so they can access it as, as they as they want to. That being said, um, it's not used just for financial fraud. Uh, it, it can really be configured to, to steal any kind of credential information. It can also run additional executables on a uh, compromised host, and it can also pull protected store information out of, uh, say, Internet Explorer, where Internet Explorer stores passwords when you tell it to save passwords. So it's really kind of multi-use piece of malware that can steal all kinds of different information. Do you have any idea who may be behind this and who are its targets? Historically, Zeus is believed to be of uh, Eastern European origin. It's been around for a while. The security research community generally believes that it's being maintained by Eastern European cyber criminals. As far as direct attribution, it's, it's always hard to do that. There were a lot of attacks. So how many have you counted so far? Um, as far as compromised hosts in this particular incident, you have to remember that this is just a, a series of log data, of 75 gigabytes worth of log data over a one-month period, and that was mid-December through mid-January. And there were close to 75,000 unique hosts in that in that log data, so at least 75,000. At least 75,000, and I believe you were saying something like 2,500 different organizations were hit? Yeah, so we when we, we mapped out the unique IDs to the organizations that were involved, we were looking at over 2,400 global organizations. So that's not just in the U.S., that's you know, all over the world, various places. And that includes corporations like financials and technology firms and, and government organizations, as well as, as ISPs. So, you know, a lot of your home users, you know, on their home internet connections are probably included there as well. Do you know what kind of government sites were being attacked? One of the things that we, we determined as we were researching this is um, some of the recent spear phishing attacks towards um, .gov email addresses were involving the Zeus Trojan as well. And when we did some malware analysis on those particular Trojans, what we found was that the command and control servers and structures were the same as the ones that were the result of this log data. So you know, we basically were able to make a connection that not only were they involved in this worldwide collection of credential information, but they were actually also doing some spear phishing targeted attacks towards the U.S. government. Can you characterize the kind of information that people were trying to get? It's really hard to say because so we didn't have access to the configuration file for Zeus from when the logs were created. But when you look at the log data as a whole, what you see is a lot of things like social networking sites and email sites and you know just credential information for various systems. There's a lot of social networking involved, but then there's just a lot of just various credentials for various sites. So, you know, what it kind of looks like is that they, they just, you know, open the net, they catch the net to see what they could get. And we 
found that somewhat significant because Zeus is historically considered to be a banking trojan. It's something that's used to steal banking credentials. And in fact, when we did malware analysis on the, the binaries that, you know, that came down after the newer versions of Zeus, after this log data that was discovered, the configuration actually was attacking a banking site. So if you look in the white paper that we published, there's a big list of all the banking sites that were listed in the config. And so basically the, the bot had been reconfigured to, to look for login credentials for those banks. But you're saying it's also attacking government sites. So in the log data that we have, there's indication of government sites that are infected with bots, and then also the spear phishing attacks directly against government email addresses. So, yep. Walk me through a, a scenario of perhaps an attack that eventually leads to a government site. A really uh, interesting comparison to make is, is the recent Aurora attacks with the Chinese involvement. One of the research findings that came out of that particular incident was that the cyber criminals used Facebook to infect their targets. And, and the way they did that was they compromised friends of their target on Facebook, and then they were able to send messages from the friend to the target, and the target would be more likely to click on that email, you know, click on that message because it's from one of their friends on Facebook. You know, so if you think about that perspective and using that kind of methodology to spread their malware, um, it gives them a tremendous amount of leverage. The other thing to consider is that with an email address, you know, so if I if I get access to an email account, your email accounts are typically used for all kinds of different authentication processes and signing up for access to various sites. So if I have control of your email address, I potentially have access to a large number of other systems that may be interesting to me. And the way that that would kind of come back around to attacks is, say, for example, I have a web host. You know, I, maybe I, I pay a monthly fee to have access to a web server that I put my blog up on or whatever. So a miscreant attacks my system. They get access to my email account. They can then get access to my web hosting account, and they can use my web host to host their malware. So it's kind of this multi-level compromise process that they can go through. So there's a lot of value in not just banking credentials, but credentials of all types, because the way that the connected systems work, uh, you can just basically extend your compromise. The people who are conducting this attack, is there any way you could determine what kind of damage they're trying to do to, say, federal government accounts? Are we just going in there just looking around? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to say, you know, from a money standpoint with the banking attacks, they're interested in getting access to bank accounts, transferring that money offshore, and then using money mules to get access to that money. From a government perspective, it's really hard to say. There, there's a lot of rumors around online that foreign intelligence services sometimes work with these cyber criminals. So, you know, the perspective of getting a, a big intrusion into the U.S. government, maybe because some Russian intelligence official has asked for that sort of access and offered to pay for it. The ultimate thing we should get out of that is that the status being stolen, it's being stored on these servers in these other countries, but ultimately we don't know what the end consumer of that data is going to be, be it a cyber criminal that's going to try to steal money or a nation state that wants intelligence. The kind of people who are hacking, these are people who have some kind of ill intent. These aren't just people just wanting to get in to prove they could get in. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There are people that are dedicated to making money doing this. There's a lot of evidence towards a cyber criminal underground where they, they buy and sell various services, be it botnet access or exploits or identities or credit card numbers, and they absolutely use those credit card numbers and those stolen credentials to make money. Of the attacks of the 24-2500 you mentioned, uh, do you know how many of those are government? I don't have an actual count. It was, I want to say, around 20 government organizations that we that we saw. Federal, local, state? All of the above. Not a large number, but something that sh people should be concerned about. 
so the way I look at it is a single compromised PC inside a network is potentially a foothold. And if you look at, you know, historically the way some of these compromises have occurred in the past, that's typically the way they start. You get a single foothold inside a network and then pivot off of that foothold into other places in the network. That's how the Aurora thing worked as well. They, you know, got one machine and then got all the machines they needed. Saying my org only has one compromised host to make yourself feel better really isn't realistic because that's the root of the compromise, really. Thank you, Alex. Sure. I've been speaking with Alex Cox, the security consultant in research area at NetWitness. For the Information Security Media Group and GovInfoSecurity.com, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.